this is the Atypical Mom Podcast, and I'm Nicole Birch. I'm Mikkel Lee. And we're just two typical moms raising exceptional needs children, and we want to encourage you to do the same. So today, our podcast is, the topic is fair is not equal. And that that qualifies, this is Mikkel, that qualifies to food. Yes, Dysphagia, allergies. Yeah. Fair is not equal. Right. Because it's not fair that children can't have certain things. It's not fair that a diagnosis is happening. You know, you don't ask for it, but you just kind of roll with it. Um, And Nicole wanted me to explain to you this fair is not equal concept. You know, we all have teachers or moments in life that kind of shape our perceptions of certain topics. And for me, the fair is not equal, which is what we tell our children when they're like, it's not fair. Right. Um, We tell them fair is not equal. And this is why, because fair really is not equal. That concept of fairness it doesn't not, look the same for It everybody. doesn't look the same for everybody. And um, it came from your sixth grade teacher. Yes, Mr. Fawcett, who has since passed away, but it made a huge impact on 12-year-old Mikkel um, when he made that a topic of conversation because one ch- student in particular kept bringing up that, you know, something wasn't fair. And 12-year-old me, this was the story we were told by the teacher and he said, and it's funny that it pertains to a, a loaf of bread was his example, Example, considering yes. Nicole's got two kids with celiac disease. Um, he said, if I bring a loaf of bread in for everyone in class, he goes, fair, if, if life was fair, I would give one piece of bread to everyone. And then everyone would have the same thing. Everyone would have equal portion. He goes, but little Johnny in class, for circumstances unknown, hasn't eaten for three days. He said, in fair is not an equal act. He said, it is fair to meet Johnny's physical needs before divvying up the loaf of bread with everyone else. Meaning if he knew in advance. If he knew in advance that, you know, there was something wrong, meeting Johnny's physical needs would be fair of requiring food. It would matter more. It would be more important to meet that, you know, physical food need. So he's like, fair in that situation, with the loaf of bread as the example, would be to feed him until he is satisfied. Little Johnny. And then divvy up what is left of the loaf of bread amongst the rest of the class. Because the rest of the class has eaten in the last three days. Right. In this scenario. Right. So he's talking about meeting needs. Right. As fairness. And it is fair to meet people's needs, especially with food. Right. And in my children's case, meeting their needs means keeping their allergen from them. (laughs) In your children's feeding fairness needs, it means modifying their food or keeping what you call their kryptonite foods that automatically make them choke like they're dying away from them. 
Well, and educating those around us. Right. Because allergies, feeding tube, you know, related issues, dysphagia, choking hazards that are not typical, you have to educate those around you and you can't get really upset because people don't understand that this is not a preference. This is survival. I can't tell you how many times. So we've been gluten-free, deliberately gluten-free for four years. And I can't tell you how many times people have tried so hard to help us. Potlucks, you know, giving our kids snacks during church, you know, just unintentionally. Like our mom, she would make, she made food one day. And she's listing off all the ingredients. She was so proud. She missed one thing. Saltine crackers. Crackers in meatloaf. As a binder. Yeah. It totally blew her mind. And it's like, okay, well, we'll just bring them something then. And she felt horrid. Because you Be- don't think about yeah, those little Yeah, we don't think factors. about the small things. Because in my children's world, there's no such thing as a little bit of gluten. Gluten in any yeah. amount is Makes poison. Yeah. It's poison. Literal poison for their intestines. And it will damage things for many months to come. Yes. Even in small, like, they measure gluten in parts per million. Right. Which <laughs> you just found out recently that McKinley got gluten somehow. Yes. So we a knew. Test. Yeah. We knew he got gluten from uh, Tylenol. Right. And acetaminophen. Um because it was an off-brand. And, you know, it, it, in the United States, they do not have to label medis- medication for gluten contamination or gluten products. Um, so we try really, really, really hard not to give our children medication unless we absolutely have to. Um, and For hospitals. that reason. And hospitals. They cannot. I've been in, well, i I say inpatient very loosely. Uh, my kids have been outpatient inside surgery centers, the two with celiac disease, uh, one for tonsillectomy and one for an MRI, a sedated MRI. And both times, nobody knew what to do. Meaning hospital staff. Meaning the staff. You know, we did the pre-op. I did my due diligence and I told them exactly what my children could not have. Cannot have gluten. Life-threatening food allergy. We get there for the procedure and, number one, they can't feed my kid. They're promising them popsicles that actually have gluten in them. Right. So if you look at cheap popsicles, which is what hospitals thrive on. The otter pop style. Yeah, like (laughs) otter pop style popsicles or those double stick popsicles. If you look at the second or third ingredient, it says modified food starch. How on earth you screw up water and sugar with wheat? (laughs) And more fruit. (laughs) Or, yeah, like, right? Um, It's possible. Yeah. And probable in the United States for that to be a thing. (laughs) And has been at two or three hospitals now for you. It's three. We have had three hospitals where after the procedure, they promise my kid a popsicle. And I'm like, nope, that's a hard no. You cannot give them that popsicle. It's just a popsicle. Don't tell me what it just is. If you can bring me the box, we'll talk. 
Or even the kitchen. I right. Mean, what could Karita yeah. have at her last visit? So at her last, at her MRI, her sedated MRI, um, by the time, because they kept bumping us for her procedure, by the time she got her procedure done, not only had she been 16 hours with no food or drink, <laughs> um, because they kept bumping us. And she was not hooked up to an IV. And she was not hooked up to an IV. Um, they, when I asked them what they were going to do about that. Because they would require that she eat afterwards. because yes, they wanted to see her eat and drink after. I said, so what are you going to do about this? And they're like, well, we can feed her and I'm, we have snacks. I said, what kind of snacks? And they're like, graham crackers. I'm like, eh, wrong. She cannot have that. We did the procedure, you know, the pre-procedure paperwork. Read her chart. Yeah. Look at her allergies. This is in a hospital. This was not a clinic. This was not a surgery center. This was a hospital. So they literally had to call down to the kitchen. And the kitchen manager's like, I really just need to talk to mom. They they all assured me, four people assured me, other than the kitchen manager, that he knew what he was doing, that he could feed my daughter. That they feed a lot that of people they feed with gluten a lot intolerance. Of, yes, that they feed gluten intolerance. That's my favorite <laughs> classification ever. It always means they have no idea what I'm talking about. And the lady hands the phone to me and is like, so I hear your daughter's gluten intolerant. And I said, you heard wrong. She has a full-blown gluten allergy. <laughs> oh, that is never what you want to hear. Oh. Oh, is not fair. Oh, is not fair. <laughs> no, it is not. It is not fair that I have to literally, I was on the phone with that man in a hospital for 30 minutes of her procedure. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I get to hear all of this <laughs> while she is freaking out while her child is in a procedure going, I don't know what we're going to feed her. Right? They want her to eat. Right now she gets water yep. <laughs> because it's not safe. For her to have anything else. Um, ultimately, they did provide her a meal that, you know... Most children Most would children eat. would not eat. <laughs> he kept saying, I have broth for her. I said, she cannot drink it. Um, it's just broth. I said, no, it's not. Read it's the ingredients. food starch. I know. There's modified food starch. And <laughs> as I put it to him, 99.9% .9 of broths have modified food starch in them. He's like, well, we have multiple different kinds. I can look at the, the ingredients. I said, okay, you do that. But I'm telling you right now, 99% of them have modified food starch in them. I kid you not, that man called me back and goes, we had 13 different types of broth and only one of them didn't have modified food starch in it. 13 different kinds of broth. That's a lot. Right? <laughs> Those are not good odds. No, one out of 13. That's actually right around the odds I told him. Right. It's kind of awesome. You know, we hear it all the time, especially about my children and the limitations that their food issue with gluten sets for them. Uh, that's not fair. I couldn't do that. I feel so bad for them. Why and, feel bad when someone is teaching them how to live? Right. And that's what 
I mean, I even felt bad for myself, and I can eat wheat. I can eat gluten. I'm not even a carrier for celiac disease. I've been tested. I don't have it. Right. But even I felt bad for me. For almost four years, I felt bad for me. I turned my children's, you know, allergy into my my battle. Your burden. My burden. And instead of looking at it as, oh my goodness, my children, their GI said, it is unheard of for children at five and three to be diagnosed with celiac disease. He's like, usually people find out in their 60s. When the damage is already done. Yeah, when the damage is done. My children get to have a life worth living instead of a lifetime of feeling like garbage with no answers. And I missed that part. For years, I missed that part. And that was the part that was not fair to them. Um, And it's the part that literally this year, I realized that it was not fair to my kids that I was in bondage over their lifestyle. I, I get really, I get really tired of people trying to create a pity party for my kids now. I want my children to understand that what we're doing sets them up for the best life they can have. You're setting them up for success and to not feel like fairness is not an equal thing. Right. Well, we had a grandparent come and stay with us and... You know, that was the first time they had that heard was the this, fir- t- first time. this word of fair. Right. Because he had never been around us since the diagnosis. And he really, he didn't understand because he has other grandchildren close to where he lives. And everything has to be equal. Everybody has to get the same thing, have the same amount spent on them. If, if they take one out, they need to take all of them out. If they're, you know, present and accounted for. His attention and time and money has to be spread evenly. I don't know where this idea came from. I mean, I'm an identical twin. There was nothing that was just... up equally. There was nothing that was just mine. I mean... And there were three children. There's no way to equally spread that. No. (laughs) So, well, there were five of us sometimes. But, I mean, there's odd numbers. And there are, you know, three of us that live full-time in the house... And then two that come and visit on the weekends. Right. There, there's not any way to equally divvy up anything amongst children 100% of the time to fairness right. standards. And I don't know where this idea of everybody has to have the same thing came from. I don't remember this as a kid, ever. In the feeding tube world, it's, you know, when you sit down at a restaurant. And we've, we've had this scenario. It was when we first started going out in public with this child who was being fed bolus feeds during the day, or he was given things to play with at the table at a restaurant. Right. And I've, you know, seen and heard many parents or caregivers of children with tubes get very upset when a wait staff questions, well, aren't you going to get food for this child? It's frankly none of their business. It isn't. It the I treated it like I did when I was breastfeeding right. my oldest. 
I am going to meet their physical needs. I am going to feed them however they need fed. And I am going to do it wherever I currently am without prejudice. Right. And, and if, I could care less what anyone else around me thinks. Right. Yeah. We don't even, we have one restaurant in, in literally a hundred mile radius that we eat at. One. Right. Because it's the only one we can keep our kids safe at. But sometimes I go to a restaurant with you that right. my children have never set foot in because they bake there. Yeah. And they literally can't be in the room. <laughs> because those fine particles of flour right. hang in the air. Right. And they could get gluten. Right. And my children that can eat gluten have been in that restaurant. Yes. We it just made certain that we have a babysitter. Right. So in, in, in this fair world, that would not be considered fair. No. In, in my home, when my, uh, my two children know that they can't eat at any restaurant in a hundred miles of us, except for one. Right. We're teaching them to understand that they don't always get to do or be or have Everything everybody else has. Right. They don't have access to that restaurant because walking in that door it's and inhaling safe. wheat could damage their body. Right. That is fair. Yes, it's fair to keep them safe. Do they get special things? Yes. So but if not everybody, you know, food is not a treat. No. Like, food is not a gift when you have food allergies. We do not replace our time or our, our affection with food treats because that's, that's not a good promotion either. And holidays look different. Yes, they do. So you're our, not doing the candy canes yep. or the candies in the stockings. For us, we do trunk or treat with our kids. I am now the allergy-friendly non-food vehicle right. for the trunk or treat. <laughs> she, because I get it. She is the teal pumpkin. I am the teal pumpkin vehicle. <laughs> I And my, my pastor this year, it was really great. He looked at everyone and he goes, if you have questions about allergies or food issues with children, talk to Kelly. Right? Well, and when we, you know, our kids didn't really participate in even things like Sunday school events. Because... Right. They can't play with Play-Doh. They can't deal with stickers or certain kinds of certain glue. types of glue. They can't play with food dye. And shaving cream right? even has wheat in it. We can't, you know, their entire lives are affected. Normal childhood things are unavailable to them. Now a word from our sponsors, this season of the Atypical Mom podcast is from me, Mikkel Lee, the author of My Belly Has Two Buttons, A Very Tubi Christmas, I Want To Be President, and My Tubi Fairy, all found on Amazon.com and Facebook and Instagram at Mikkel Lee. That is fair for them. Yes, because it's keeping them safe. Yes. Nico sat with me. When we would go anywhere, if his siblings could go and attend, like, Sunday school or an mm -hmm. event, 
Nico sat with me because it was safer for me to keep him close to me. Because we've had the well-meaning people who give him goldfish crackers when he was a choke risk right. on them. When right. he could have nothing crunchy. And you want to see me kind of look a little pale and scared? That would be the moment. You and know? you did. I got oh. that phone call. Yeah. He got given goldfish. Oh. And How'd he, that go? He survived. Yes, right? <laughs> He's still breathing. Yes. Yay. <laughs> and the woman felt terrible. And they do. And that's the part that's not fair is that it is not anybody else's responsibility to keep my kids safe. It's not even, and this sucks, it's not even the hospital's responsibility to no. keep my kids safe. It's mine. It's fair as parents for us to be to inform those around us. It is fair for us to set expectations with family and, and friends. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of still a knee-jerk reaction with Nico and Hosanna for people to ask me if they can have things. Right. Because they've had to ask for the last four and a half to six years right. if it's okay to give them items. And I'm good with that. I am good with people still having that, you know, very definite boundary Right. Because that is fair for them. Like, I had to run and help Nicole the other night. Mm-hmm. I positioned people because my two youngers, Nico and Hosanna, are both one-on-one feeders. They right. have to have someone next to them when they're to eating. This day. Even now at six, or almost six and seven. Right. Um, they cannot eat meals, take drinks, without someone positioned right next to them. Right. And... Before I even left the building, and this was the very first time that I did not stay at this particular event, and it happens weekly from October to April. We're lurkers. <laughs> we just sit in the room and wait. We're the, we, And I don't leave. So this is Awana's. It's a program that we take um, Our kids six too. children mm-hmm. between the two of us together to every week from October to April. Yeah. And her and I, we realize it is not fair to expect others to to keep our children safe. So we stick around and are just an extra set of hands for our own children and sometimes other people's. Right. Um, Well, because, so in our case, there is food provided at this event. There is. And two of my children eat literally before we leave the house. At home. And I bring them a snack. Yes. And my other two children that go. Eat meal. Eat the meal there and get the snack there. Is that fair? Yes. They get to participate. They are participating. Even if I didn't bring them a snack, it would still be fair. And the facility and the event planners have attempted on multiple occasions to find them things they can eat and prepare them in a way that is safe. It also helps that the grampy is behind yes, the food line. Yes, they're grandpas at the food line, which is kind of <laughs> awesome. But even before he was, they were stopping me in the grocery store, right. trying to see how they could make it fair so that Karita and McKinley could eat at the event. Right. There are certain things that they can. They can have the cup of milk. They can have, you right. know, the opened, freshly opened bag with potato chips in it. They can have those. And so they try their best to make it as inclusive and safe mm-hmm. as possible. But McKinley and Karita get to walk around and talk to people while everyone's eating. They get to eat whatever <laughs> Mouth snack. Mouth yeah. people's shoulders while it's they're awesome. eating. <laughs> and then they get to participate with everyone else in class. And, I mean, we've even gone on nights when they've had bread items. And we've had their 
entire class. They literally class. mopped the floor they one did. night before because there was a bunch of bread on the floor that night. And we also had everyone in class go wash their hands the one day, which yes, the teacher was did. super sweet about. Because it's not fair for them to be, like, holding each other's hands, playing with balls, and cross-contaminating that way. So, you know, they've been very accommodating. Mm-hmm. And... To McKinley and Carita, it is fair to keep them safe. It's also fair to find ways for them to be included. And have a life. And learn to live life this way. Right. I mean, even when Nico wasn't capable of downing a cup of water, he had his his ringe. Yes. <laughs> so... For a while, Nico could only take, what, like a milliliter at yeah, a time? Without, without totally choking. sputter gagging. Yeah, it was like a quarter teaspoon was the very largest amount he could take. And that's nothing. Yeah. That's, oh, nothing. And she she would carry this piston syringe around. He it, loves it. The 30 mil. Yeah. Piston syringe. And he would literally use it like a straw cup. Yep. It was his first sippy. It was. It, he called it his ringe. His speech therapist absolutely hated it. <laughs> I know, right? Well, not his speech therapist, but the one who tested him every time. She hated it. And I said, but he's successful at it. Right. And Why you, do you hate something that is making it so that he is actually drinking out of something? Right? Because he would, he would too. I watched that kid, I kid you not, 20 times in an hour, I think he ref, he had Kelly refill that thing. I got really good, and any feeding tube parent will tell you, you get really strong thumbs. Right? Working those syringes. She wouldn't even be looking no, at it, and I, she would, I would pull know. a teaspoon. Yeah. <laughs> I would just, the, the markers would be off, you know, because... The it syringes well wear out, and they're yes. very well loved. And when we moved to the area we live in now, we had DME problems, which is not fair. No. <laughs> it is so not no, fair. it is not. Um, and so we hoarded the two syringes we had left. Right. Of the kind that worked. Because essentially they were his sippy cups. They were his sippies, and yeah. we needed them for flushing. We needed them for, you know, all the things. And they were an important part of his equipment. Right. And so... Yeah, we because he those. needed that wet sensation in his mouth. Like the he only just did. thing I could think of is because when he was NPO, he he wanted things, but he was afraid of them. Right, and he went from you know being on the blended diet, being nursing, so he'd had liquid and food, and the only thing I could describe his reaction to not having things in his mouth was. It was like someone who was seeking drugs. Right. Because he would get frantic. Mm-hmm. And it was like a craving for him to have something in his mouth. Right. And I actually went one whole day without drinking something to figure out what in the world he was doing. It literally is a craveable sensation having something in your mouth. Right. Liquid. Liquid. Specific. Specific, like that cooling sensation. And so, you know, I needed to know. I needed to see what was going on there. Um, but I get it now. Right. You know, because it's, it's not that we were doing anything wrong. He was being hydrated through his tube. He was getting nutrition through his tube. We were offering. But, I mean, it's not fair to watch your children do that. Right. But... I had to put myself in his position right. to understand that reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so now I understand a little more when people are talking about they're craving something. They're, they just want to drink, even though they know it will hurt them. They, so I get it. Well, we have compulsive eaters in our right. house. We, you know, but it's our, not fair to punish them no, and for it's compulsion. Not. No. And, you know, when we, especially our oldest celiac, McKinley, he's a compulsive eater. And I believe that his compulsive eating is born out of his body's overreaction to not having essentially enough nutrition, not through any fault right. of anybody's, because we just didn't know no. for five years. No. That he wasn't able to absorb all of his food. Right. And so now, I swear that child, he's the t skinniest thing you've ever seen. And he can eat like two grown adults. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. grown adults. <laughs> he has, it is not unheard of for him to say, can I have fourths? Right. Of like food. Right. <laughs> and in a family of eight... That means I'm doubling recipes, sometimes quintupling recipes. Right. Depending on the <laughs> recipe. And, you know, it, it is what it is. This is a kid that, you know, I found out he was sneaking bananas in the night. Bananas are not the end of the world. No. They're, you know, even in our small town, they're 89 cents a pound. It, it could be worse. Yeah, there could be other things he's sneaking. Right. That are, that are harmful to his health. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. Bananas are the least of your worries. Right. And then our son, who is on the spectrum, there was a period of time where he was consistently, you know, compulsively eating generally fruit right. um, in the night. And he'd be like, Mama, I ate five bananas. I'm like, did you go to the bathroom today? Like, that was my <laughs> only reaction. Like, what do you do? <laughs> Ask sarcastic comments. Yeah, you, you ask, you laugh or cry, because right. five bananas Ooh. are, really? You ate five? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when you're dealing with compulsive eating that is born of either a sensory disorder or the body just overreacting to now being able to metabolize food, right. you know, we're, it is fair for me. Not to be punitive about that. Yeah. So what what we're getting at is parts of this life are, are, are very much not fair. Right. And none of us asked for it. No. None of us hoped for it. Um, but it is fair to meet physical, emotional, social needs. Needs in regards to food. Right. Because food is so social. If you ever... Even if you ever just look at, uh, on Instagram, you could probably follow these threads much, much easier. Look up gluten-free as a hashtag. Look up celiac disease as a hashtag. And you will see that these people just want to be included in the food world. They want to be invited to go somewhere. Right. They want to be able to walk into a bakery and pick whatever they want to eat. Right. A key word, walk into a bakery. Right. Because they can't even do that. No. They, around holidays, is 
it, it's celiac kryptonite. It's also you, feeding tube kryptonite. Right. Because... You're oh. going to have caregivers and people with allergies literally in tears over not being remembered or included. Right. And that's the time of, you know, those holidays we're talking about social needs. Right. That is especially difficult. You know, if you're on any of the feeding tube sites, you're on any of the pediatric feeding mm-hmm. um, therapy sites, anything, you're always and forever going to see around holidays, especially, how can we include my child? Or- I have X number of typical children or children who can have these things. How do I include my tubi? Right. In this process. Family reunions, grandma's birthday. They're going to have people who, they they literally get forgotten. Yes. And it's, and we can say, you know, we have to get to the place as people who have, you know, our our life. Yeah, our life is, is exceptional. Yes. We are having to do things that nobody should have to do. Like bring our own stuff. Yeah, everywhere. And get a really thick skin for the things that seem like unfair slights. Right. When it's really, they just don't understand. They don't live this life. And they don't live this life. And you can't get upset with someone for lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. You can get upset with them for harsh comments. You can get upset with them for just blank you know, stairs or arguing with you about what your kids can eat. Yes. (laughs) I've had someone, my child was throwing a fit in the store and I was ignoring it successfully. And (laughs) they weren't, they weren't. And he's standing on a scaffold in Walmart looking at me going, did you know if you give them a drink of water and he is talking about my NPO to be child at that point. Right. Um, who is you could see having, the button through his shirt. I think he was even hooked up at that point to something. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, I, I, I don't have any kids, but I've heard if you give them a drink of water, it'll calm them right down. And I'm like, I had to compose have I myself. Got news for you. Oh, that was one time I had to compose myself because a very unkind me was going to come out. Right. And I looked at him and I said, actually, if I give him a drink, he could choke to death. He has a feeding tube. Right? I said, but thanks for the suggestion. Um, I had to walk off. And I think I called you in the parking lot going, this person is stupid. He's not stupid. He's just uninformed. Yes. it's, It's like people that tell me, well, there's just a little gluten in it. Yeah. There's a little what? The man was blank. Like, right? Like someone had just, you know spiked his Cheerios with something he didn't like and he's just staring at me mouth right? wide open because it's a shock it is people who eat and breathe and live differently than others it is a total shock when they've never seen it before that's why visual representation is fair to our children yes seeing others in in their eyes in front of their eyes is fair. Giving others who may never have experienced any part of this life, Mm -hmm. it is fair to prepare others for that. Right. And as a result of the family member that stayed with us and and implanted this idea in my children's minds that their their life is unfair, (laughs) it was an accident. Like, they didn't realize what they were doing. It was the knee-jerk response of yeah. a loving grandparent. It was. It was him trying to essentially 
redeem something that they didn't lose. He was rescuing them without even realizing there was no rescuing required. Right. And I said to him, we were sitting in the car one day, and I'm like, he said, I'm not going to eat that. We were going on a two-hour car car ride. He would go without He would go without something because, they. well, if they can't have it, then I'm not eating. And I'm like, if I lived my whole life by that statement, you would never eat anything. I would never eat anything. Uh, Alan, you know, my husband and I would never go on a date because our kids couldn't go to that restaurant right. ever. I would never go to, you know, the family birthday, the family party. birthday parties or Christmas. Yep. <laughs> I, I would never go anywhere that my children could not be around or eat exactly what I eat. Right. Because there are places that I go, they cannot go. Right. That is their life. They don't know any different. But now we have to deal with this concept of fairness. What I say the world's concept of fairness. And and the complaining that comes with it when we feel like we've been robbed of something. That frankly was never theirs to begin with. Because if it was supposed to be fair for them, they would not get sick from it. No. They'd be able to eat and drink like everyone else, forever right. and always. Yep. You would never have people who can't have anything by mouth ever. You would never have anyone who can't drink but can successfully eat. Right. Or can only eat certain textures. If that, if fairness was equal, then everyone would either be on a blended diet or could eat everything and there would be no allergies. Right. And recently I see a lot of... A lot of posts on Facebook. I don't know what's going on. Everybody's kind of going a little bit crazy over this allergy stuff. And the most hurtful things that that people with allergies, specifically in the celiac groups, point out is that are their lifestyle. And I say lifestyle because it's a lifelong journey for them. Yes. People make fun of it. Because it is now perceived as a fad diet. Right. Like they're doing it to lose weight. My nine-year-old does not have an ounce to lose. No. That child needs a stick of butter. Right. Like every meal. Snack. (laughs) He just, he should just eat it. Because he doesn't have a pound to lose. No. And so he definitely is not doing it. As a diet. No. (laughs) And, you know, we're not doing it to make life inconvenient for anybody. No. (laughs) And I I feel like one of the the most recent ones I saw was a place, like a hair, you're a hairdresser, Kelly. You will understand this. (laughs) So they were advertising on the outside of their barber shop. Our haircuts are gluten free. Oh my goodness. Yes. And people were mad. On the one hand, I can see the mad. I really can. Like, they were livid. But as a hairdresser, knowing what's in the products... Right. Um, a lot of them have gluten in them. So our haircuts are gluten-free. But... It was not talking about their products. Okay, but with a haircut comes a shampoo, typically. I don't, so again, I don't know. I'm getting stuck on all the things I I know know, about haircuts. I don't know if it was satire. Right. But it made them mad because to them, that was demeaning. 
they were trying to put a spin on a marketing technique. So yeah. as a businesswoman, I can understand yes. the spin. But as a parent who's had a child and then now nieces and nephews who have these issues with food. You probably it, wouldn't have gone there. No. That was very <laughs> poorly done. Right? You can market and, and still And as a not. hairdresser, we, don't, we should not be marketing things that we don't understand. Don't understand, number one. We shouldn't be playing on the sympathies of someone's lifestyle, like right. you're talking about. And it's not fair to make satire of something that is life-threatening. I'm right. sorry. Right. And then... Or could be Could life be life-threatening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was so, the most recent one that I'm like, no way. Ooh. They they <laughs> went there. Oh. <laughs> and it's not even... I mean, it's my kids, so I'm like, whoa... And if I told you all of the wheat and gluten ingredient names and hair products... Why do you think I make my own? Hello? Why do you, and I checked wax products to make sure that... She did, too. So she checks all of her hair and waxing products because I do have a female child with celiac disease. And someday she may want to, you know... Use items use at Use items shop. at Auntie Shop. <laughs> And she does. She checks all of her stuff, her waxes, her lotions, I mean, all of it, um, for whether or not it's gluten-free. And if she doesn't know, she asks the company directly. I was really excited. I got to ask my um, wax. wax company yep. um, CEO and owner. And she's like, to explain this to me. So that's the education part. Like, right. it's, it's fair to educate people around us, even the CEOs of big companies that make me, like, fangirl big time. Um, it's fair for us to educate others because how else will they know what markets they're reaching? And sometimes they don't even know if their products are usable. Right. By people with exceptional needs, which is amazing. Right. You would think that would be just common knowledge at this point. We take for granted what people can't do. And that not all products are built for everybody. Even if they say they are. Yes. You have because, to be really certain. Yeah. Because in my children's world, gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean it's gluten-free. Right. It means we still have to look at it. Right. You can tell me that certain things are gluten-free all day, but I won't feed it to my kid till I see that box. Right. <laughs> You've been listening to the Atypical Mom podcast. Please come back and listen to our next episode.